The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. and welcome to 5G Talent Talk. My name's Carrie Charles and I will be your host. I am very excited as usual to introduce to you today's guest. I have known Lyndon for a long time now, so I was thrilled when he said that he would come on the show. So this is Lyndon Hayes. He is the founder and CEO of Essentia. Lyndon, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, it's fantastic. I'm excited too. We've got a lot to talk about. I always enjoy our conversations, but first I want to know about you. So tell me about your background, your journey, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So basically I've been unqualified for every job I've ever had. Psychology major in college and somehow got a job as a strategy management consultant up in DC. And I got a chance to work for companies like P&G and General Motors and John Deere and Raytheon Hughes. And then I figured, wow, I don't know anything about finance or accounting. So I got a job as a stock analyst to try to learn finance and accounting. And I got the chance to cover technology and telecom. And that was pretty cool. Learned a ton in that job. And then I started working for a company that built OSP networks for large carriers, which is where I got enough background to start my own company and knew nothing about running companies like that either. But I started the company in 03. So I got in the industry 2000 and started the company in 03 with my brother. And our total assets were two Ford Tauruses, two laptops, two cell phones, and $20,000. So we were definitely bootstrapped. But since then, we've started all kinds of different services within that. So engineering, indoor networks, small cell towers, edge data centers, and software as a service platform for network deployments, which we're really excited about. Tell me more about Essentia then and everything you just said. So who do you serve? What markets, products, services, all of it? We probably worked in maybe 46 or 47 states at this point, Canada and Puerto Rico, although that's not really part of our footprint. And we do a couple different things. We do network engineering and construction for telecom, cable, electric utilities, and other critical infrastructure. I think we do the top two of two cable companies, the top five of five wireline carriers, and some of the largest companies in critical infrastructure. We also design and build indoor networks for companies like AT&T, Amtrak, L3Harris, and others. And we're also really excited about edge data centers because that's a, a huge new thing that really takes a lot of our small cell skills and we can apply it to edge data centers. But maybe the thing that we're most excited about is our new SaaS platform for network deployments, something we call eSpeed. And we really believe that, and not without a lot of evidence, that we have the best network deployment platform around. Super excited about that. Yeah, so tell me more about eSpeed. How was the idea born and what problem are you solving there? A brilliant innovator is an A&E engineer. His name is Zach. And the minute he got here, and again, I hired him as A&E engineer, he began developing software solutions for network deployment. He didn't ask, he just did it. And after about three months, I looked at Zach and I said, Zach, you're not even doing the job that I hired you to do. <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, I know, Lyndon, but isn't this better? And I was like, yeah, it is better. 
So I gave him a new title, a new budget, job responsibilities, and we kind of haven't looked back since. What really allowed us to recruit someone like Zach and what empowered him to do something kind of game-changing without permission was our culture. And without that investment in our culture, we wouldn't be where we are today. Yes, I agree. And I was just going to say that's a testament to your culture and leadership as well, that he felt safe and comfortable in that environment that he could do that. And now look at where you are today with eSpeed. So that's exciting. I'm hearing more and more about companies turning to technology and automation as our talent pool continues to shrink. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world today, but we are still facing a challenge when it comes to hiring talent and companies are looking at automation. And I know that eSpeed is a part of this. Talk a little bit about that transformation and how companies need to really focus now on automation as much as possible because of the shrinking workforce. One thing to realize is that we're already at full employment and we haven't had the full impact of these tens of billions of dollars of infrastructure spending that's coming. I think the federal trillion dollar package is 2025 is when it kind of maxes out. And so there just aren't enough people to do it the old way. And that's before we get all the spending. And so we've been talking with a couple of Fortune 50 companies I mean, they basically shared with us that they don't know how they're going to build what they've announced, right? Unless they come up with new automation, they're not going to be able to build what they've announced publicly, which is a problem if you're a publicly traded company, right? So they're forming teams to try to address this problem. And we're working with some of those teams, which is really exciting for us. So we think the disruption is coming to the industry and you're either going to be the disruptor or the disrupted. So a lot of the large engineering companies, they kind of have the Kodak problem. They make money by selling engineering services and engineering time. And so it actually reduces their revenue and profits by innovating and becoming more efficient. So it takes someone without that large base of profits to destroy like us to be able to create that innovation and have the incentive to do it. I'm hoping it's us, but I think somebody is going to solve these big problems very soon. And it's right. either going to be us or it's going to be somebody else. And Right now, we think we've got the lead and we're looking for ways to expand that lead. Yeah. So what do you see as the future of eSpeed and really being able to solve this problem for companies? We've kind of broken it down into kind of different chunks of value. And then we're looking from a competitive analysis perspective at where we kind of stand in each of those chunks. And then we're constantly saying, what's the most elegant solution for a customer, regardless of hardware, software, or process. And then we whiteboard that. And then we figure out, can we pull it off the shelf or do we have to build it? In a lot of cases, it doesn't exist and we have to build it. But the future is going to be determined by the advances in technology across the work streams that we perform, right? And so we're constantly looking at how are we doing things and is there a better way? Is there existing technology, new technology, or a way that we can innovate something different? And that's a forever process. We never stop that. If we get complacent, that's where we know we're in trouble. I've always known that about you. You were always one step ahead. Every time we had a conversation, you're sending me an article or sending me a link or a book or something saying, hey, you got to check this out. This is the future. So I am not surprised that you're on the cutting edge of this. I, I that know might that be my ADD. That might be part of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm telling you, a lot of successful entrepreneurs have ADD. Trust me, a lot. But no, you're always on the cutting edge, too, of culture. And I've always known that about you. And you've got some really cool ideas when it comes to attracting, retaining, engaging talent. But let me ask your opinion on something, because I know you read a lot. You know so much about this area. 
What challenges do you see that companies are facing right now when it comes to culture and retention? In the industry, I think subcontractors and employees are really hard to come by. And many people are starting to kind of give lip service to culture, but it takes years and years to build a culture and you can't fake it. It also takes years to change a culture. So basically for the companies that haven't invested in culture at this point, they're going to miss this next upcoming build cycle. And I think if you look across the industry, and we heard this at Metro Connect and other places that industry-wide network deployments are taking longer and longer, and especially long for people that aren't using our platform. And so, you know, the A, B, and C teams are already busy. And you're lucky if you can get the D team on your project at this point. And everyone that I talk to says, we can't do all the jobs that we have today. We don't have enough people. So they're going to pick the people that treat them the best. And if it's a large carrier, they're going to trick the carrier that pays them the most and that treat them the best. And it's the same thing with an employee or a team member. We call them team members. They're not going to go to work for somewhere that they're not going to treat them well, right? They can get the money pretty much anywhere that they want to go, but they also have to have that benefit. And so I think people are going to try to change. I got coached for about eight years. We hired an outsourced chief people officer. And he coached me for about eight years on culture. And so we've been working on this for a very long time. And we're far from perfect, but we try to get better every year. And without that, I wouldn't really know what to do. Maybe it took me longer than it should. I don't know. But I think that's really, really important for what we're facing because I don't see this lack of talent problem going away. It's probably going to accelerate. Yes, I agree with you. And what you said was interesting, that people do have more choices, right? They have more choices of where they wanna work, who they wanna work for. But another thing that's interesting is, do you think that companies have choices of who to work for and based on how they're treated, that their experience as a vendor, that they would say yes or no to working for a company or are people just taking all the work they can get? Yeah, I mean, I hear all the time, there's a couple of companies in our industry and I'm not gonna name any names, but people will just absolutely refuse to work for. They're just not going to ever work for them. Life is too short. And so that's going to be an ongoing challenge. People are picking among their best customers with the most profit, the best projects. And I think that's going to go on for a long time. The glass door is such a big deal when you're in the recruiting space. Like how the reputation economy is a big deal. It wouldn't surprise me if one of these days there's not a glass door for these large organizations around their treatment of outside vendors. That's going to be a game changer if that ever happens. So they're going to be more accountable and publicly accountable, even to the individual level, not just the company level, I think, for bad behavior. So the people that wow. are doing right might be able to extend their lead in those situations. Well, maybe that's something that you can take on, Lyndon, in your spare time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how to monetize it. <laughs> right. That's a great idea, though. It's like that vendor experience the experience of a vendor, just like the candidate experience and the employee experience and the customer experience. I mean, it's all about the experience that we're having as human beings in the workplace and beyond. So I love that idea. Let's talk about the Essentia culture. I want to hear all about it. And again, kudos to you for hiring an outside person or even an inside person to help you with culture and create culture. And you said for eight years, I mean, that's what it takes or is expertise that we don't necessarily have sometimes as entrepreneurs and leaders. So what are some differentiators in your culture? Well, one of the things we think about when we regard 
to culture is that it's a journey and not a destination. So we're always trying to get better. And in my opinion, you're either going backwards or forwards. There's no status quo. There's no standing still. So it has to be a constant focus, right? Every week, every month, every quarter, every year. And so one of our differentiators is innovation. And people, they don't like to be stuck doing the same thing the same way for their entire career. So one of the things we say around innovation is we have a healthy disregard for the impossible. If you really want to get one of our people fired up, just tell them they can't find a better way to do something. That's exciting to be in that place. Our other core values are impact, judgment, and collaboration. And we have to work to instill those every day in kind of how we behave each and every day. So my view is it's better and easier to be a values-based culture than a rules-based culture. You can't make enough rules up. And as soon as you do, they're outdated anyway. So if you base it on values, you're going to get better behavior and it's a more fun place to be. We also are a certified great place to work. So there are about a thousand certified the Great Place to Work Institute in the U.S. out of about 10 million. So that's pretty exciting for us. And then we were number nine, a great place to work in North Carolina on the latest survey. Wow, congrats. Um, yeah, we got to keep improving. So we got to figure out how to start making the national list. But I think one thing that we also talk about is purpose. And so our purpose statement is connecting everyone everywhere to a better way of life connecting everyone yeah. everywhere to a better way of life. It's not like we make bombs or cigarettes. We actually make people's lives better, which is a wonderful thing to be able to offer the world. So post-COVID, it's pretty easy to see the impact of how we help people. It might've been a little harder to draw that line pre-COVID, but mm -hmm. we're closing the whole work gap. We're enabling telehealth, remote work. We're building the foundation for economic growth and job creation. So the work we do matters to a lot of people. That's an awesome industry to be in. Yes, it sure is. So do you have any secrets or something you can share around what's working for you right now with attracting talent and maybe even retaining? I know that your culture is a big part of this, but anything around, let's say, attraction and getting the right people in the door in those seats? So we're extremely careful with our particularly our top leaders, because one of the things you hear is people leave companies not because of a bad company, but because of a bad manager. Right. So we're very diligent about hiring great, interesting, highly motivated, highly skilled, competent experts in their field. But they're also fun to work with. You can do a great job and be serious about the job. But if you're not fun to work with, who wants to be in that environment? You got to spend a lot of your life at work. And so we try to find people that have a fun time doing what they're doing. We have a couple of tactics like we use top grading. We use those tools to kind of evaluate talent. We try to provide a lot of autonomy as well. So we look for ways to provide autonomy and flexibility. And I mentioned fun in the workplace. We're also almost fully remote, okay? So that has trade-offs, but it allows us to recruit nationally for most positions. So we've got folks in many, many different states right now. And if we just recruited in Charlotte only, we're not getting eight players that way. When we need a position, we've got a certain amount of time to fill it and we're only in Charlotte. But if we're recruiting nationally, we can get eight players in the door and eight players like to play with other eight players. And then, then finally, we try to foster a high trust environment and we, we're constantly surveying, not constantly, we do it about twice a year. People get a little tired of surveys, but we have a very extensive survey that we do twice a year and we see what we're doing well and what we need to improve on 
And then we develop initiatives around what we need to improve on. And so as long as we don't lose focus on what we're doing well, and we continue to improve that, over time, our results continue to go up in terms of employee satisfaction and our rankings on the Great Place to Work survey. And so there's not one initiative. There's not five or 10 initiatives. It's just each time that we get the survey, we see all the areas that we need to improve. And we might have three to five initiatives around every area. And then eventually we figure it out. So a lot of trial and error as well. You listen to people and you act on it and execute. Let me ask you a question about, let's go back to the remote work, because I know that so many companies today are confused about that. I mean, people want remote. Do we need to go to hybrid? How do we maintain a culture with remote workers? What should we do? So my question is, how do you keep that culture consistent with your remote workforce? Well, it's not easy. It's not easy at all. We have celebrations that we do. We'll basically buy people a bottle of wine and we'll have celebrations on team call and things like that. We try to look for areas where people are geographically focused and do quarterly events, the ball game, barbecues, axe throwing, which is probably a terrible idea. We did axe throwing. (laughs) It turns out I'm not actually that bad at axe throwing. We do stuff like that. We try to create some special benefits for people. We have a book club, for example, and we have a curated list of books. And they're not just books about how to get better at business. There are books about how to be happier, how to be more satisfied. And so there's not really one thing that we do. We just try to figure out as many ways as possible to build that community and knowing that it's not as easy if you're all around the water cooler. And I think that the collaboration culture helps too, because people are always willing to help. And when somebody helps you, that makes you feel good about that imagery in return. That creates a good atmosphere and a good community for us. And and the other thing, Lyndon, I love what you said, is that you're a values-based culture. And so every single day, you keep those values present. And I'm sure that those values are present in every single team member throughout the country. And so they wake up thinking about it. They finish their day thinking about it. And that also helps to keep people together. But it definitely sounds like you've experienced some success here. So congratulations with that, because I know it's challenging. We have a remote team as well. And I just know so many companies right now that are challenged with this and there's no easy answer, but it sounds like you are definitely doing the right things here. So I want to talk a little bit more about leadership. And you did talk about how you identify leaders in your organization. Do you have some sort of a way that you develop leaders, let's say from organically inside the company? Yes, we want to be a trusted advisor for our customers. And you can't be a trusted advisor if you're not an expert. And so I think lifelong learning is critical to our success. And so every person gets a quarterly learning goal or goals. And that's something that we focus on every quarter of every year. And the other thing about learning is it gets you excited, like it keeps you energized. It fights stagnation. So learning actually makes you happier based on research and studies. So that's a great thing. The other thing I think with our leaders is they have to believe in servant leadership, the inverted pyramid of servant leadership. And so they need to be asking questions like, what do our team members need to be successful? How can we help our team members grow as people? And as professionals, what coaching and training do they need? And we can identify specific coaching and training. Are they willing to roll up their sleeves and help someone out that needs help? Do they have the attitude of never let a team member fail? And so those are all things that are important for leaders. It's what you want in a leader. Obviously, you have to trust your leader. They have to be competent. They have to care about you. They can't just be a great 
expert, if they don't show that they care about you personally, then you can't develop that trust with your leader. So I think that's Mm -hmm. important as well. Yes. So what is a lesson that you have learned as an entrepreneur that has brought you great success? Like if there's one thing top of mind that says, okay, this is it, what would that be? Focus. And it's like swimming upstream. It's a constant challenge to be focused. And so there's a lot of ideas, a lot of good ideas, a lot of great ideas, and you can't pursue them all. Right. And so emotionally, it's easy to get rid of the bad ideas. We can say that's not a great idea. We can get rid of that. But then it starts to get harder when you start talking about good ideas. That's a good idea. That's emotionally difficult not to pursue because we have great ideas. We have a list of great ideas. So it gets a little harder to get rid of the good ideas, but most people can get there. I think when it gets really tough, it's when you've got a list of great ideas and you can only pursue one or two of those great ideas. And you might pursue five and none of them work well. But if you focus on one or two, then you're going to be able to accomplish those. And so that's something I, I frankly, I struggle with. I've always struggled with. I want to pursue every great idea. I'm constantly having to check myself and saying, look, you can't do everything. Your bandwidth is limited. You need more focus. And so I think that's the one area where I think if you're a salesperson, you want to sell that deal. You want salespeople to want to sell the deal, but it might not be in the long term the best for the company. And so I think that's one area where it's very tough and a lot of people struggle, including myself. But if you get the focus right, it makes life a lot easier. That's brilliant. And in a culture, in today's culture, in today's world, people want a voice. They want to be able to express their ideas. So the fact that you are talking so much about overflowing amount of ideas means that you are offering your team the ability to express their ideas and bring their ideas to the table. And that is what people want in today's workforce. So that right there is everything. Kudos to you there again. I want to hear about your vision. Okay. I know you've got a really big vision and I want to hear about your vision for Essentia. What is it? How will you manifest it? I mean, obviously this could be hours to go on and on, but maybe a quick version here. So I think we want to change the way that network deployments are performed globally using our SaaS platform. And we're going to start here in the U.S. and then we're going to expand outside the U.S. And we think it's going to give our first customers a competitive advantage and a long lead against their competitors by adopting and perfecting our platform first. But I think others are going to have to scramble to catch up. But from a benefit perspective, a global benefit, unlocking infrastructure unlocks everything. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to change the way infrastructure is done globally. And we think we can do that. Drop the mic. I know you can, (laughs) Lyndon. You can do anything. (laughs) This is wonderful. So how can we learn more about Essentia and all the great things that you're doing and eSpeed and where do we go? And the jobs. I'm sure you're hiring with all of this that you need to accomplish. Sure. So it's Essentia-Inc.com is our website. Essential without the L-Inc.com. And I've been told that we almost post too much out there because it's almost like a roadmap to copy or innovation. So there's a lot out there. And then we have a career section of that page that talks about our culture, talks about our job opportunities and lots of information, what we're doing around innovation and our core values as well. You know, Lyndon, there's one thing about you. The word that comes to my mind when I think of you is generous. And you said there's a lot out there and it is. It's because of your heart and your generosity. And you've been very generous to me. So I want to say thank you. And thank you for being on the show today. This has been special. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much.
Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.